Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation presenting Succession Recaps. I'm your host, Nagin Farsad, and we are dissecting HBO's hit series, Succession, because we're not here to count every vote. That's so boring. No, we're here to pop a dick out or to flop a nut. And so today, we will tackle season four, episode eight, titled America Decides. Don't be confused. This is still the FTN feed, and you will get your regular episode of Fake the Nation on Thursdays, but on Mondays. For the next two weeks, we will be doing this bonus Succession recap pod. Uh, the panel today is as dependable as a pair of election night walking shoes that cover our cloven hooves. We have joining us the artist and filmmaker, our resident uber wealth expert, who's not just two eggplants and a flag emoji. No, she's four smiley emojis. It is the one and only Danielle Dirchlag. Hey, Danielle. Hey, Nagin. I was four smiley emojis, and then I watched this episode. Excited to get into it. <laughs> um, and joining us for the first time, I'm so excited. He is an excellent comedian who I've gotten the um, honor to share the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me stage with. He's also got a solo show that he's going to be doing in Berlin on June 8th at the Wall Comedy Club. He's going to be in Paris on June 12th. So European. But in the meantime, he's in New York City eating that bodega sushi. It is the one and only <laughs> Brian Babylon. Yes. Nagin, thank you for having me. I've been itching to get on this cast. Oh. Itching. So, I mean, we 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 have been DMing about it, and uh, Brian has a lot of feelings about this show, mm, so yes. we're going to get into it. So, I'm actually, I normally do, like, a whole summary, but I'm not really going to do that today. I'm going to do, like, a questions-only format with some mild... Um, summaries woven throughout. Don't worry about it. It'll feel seamless, maybe. <laughs> um, but before we get into all of that, I just want to hear uh, your first blush reactions. Danielle, you mentioned being for smiley emojis and then not being such after watching this episode. What, were, what was your first reactions to it? Um, my first reaction, which continues to be my reaction this morning, is just sort of like a new, a newly alive case of political PTSD, I'd say. <laughs> um, you know, I 
this brought back a lot of searing memories. I'm certain not just for me of the 2016 cycle. I thought as an episode, frankly, it was a masterpiece. Um, the relentlessness of the pace of this episode and the way things are communicated filmically is pretty brilliant. And also at the end of it, I kind of wanted to die. So, yeah. you know, so I, that, that, that's my general take, Nagin. Brian, where are you on the um, on the emoji spectrum with this episode? I'm going to be honest with you. The, one of the main reasons I want to come on this cast, also because, one, because you're my homegirl. But that's, <laughs> that's a moot point. Number two is... I really want to come on here for someone else to help me understand mm. Mm. what is the circle jerk about this show. Like, I've, <laughs> oh. I've, 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 I've watched, it was sort of like with Game of Thrones. I was like, ugh, whatever. But I watched it. You have to be, you have to know what you're talking about if you're going to argue or debate. So I've watched every episode, sat down, paid attention, all that. Um I don't know. I just want to hear more about what you have to say. And then I'll, you know, because you said it was a brilliant episode. For me. Yeah. Hmm. Can you tell me why it was brilliant? Sure. Um, well, first of all, as I mentioned, like the relentless pace of it was so in keeping with the political content of the episode. And I thought this episode did a really brilliant job from like a writer's perspective of kind of combining what we know about these characters with some really fair analysis of our political system. Um, so I was inside the story entirely and my heart was pumping and thumping through it which always is a good sign you know earlier on this podcast we had Isaac Mizrahi with us and he said the litmus test should be do you look at your phone during the episode if you look at your phone they're doing something wrong I didn't even know if my phone was in the same room during this episode yeah I was so captivated so so that's what I mean wow I'm gonna just say something and again help me understand as well I want to hear from you I feel as someone who's just on the fence, I'm not a I'm not a part of this whole, you know, lemming type of situation. Yeah. I'm gonna be very objective. Mm -hmm. I feel as someone who's been watching this, they didn't really develop those candidates enough for me to care. Hmm. They kind of just for me just threw them in there. Oh, the presidential I, candidates. The presidential candidates. So okay. I really like, you know, I really couldn't tell, like, all right, who's the Trump one and who's the regular one? Who I really couldn't tell. Clearly, I guess the Latino name was the Democrat, right? Yes. Right. Okay, yes. so yeah, let's, let's just go ahead and do that one. Right. So I was like, I really couldn't even gather any give a fuck momentum about these presidential candidates because I don't feel they really, for me, me statement, develop them as much. Interesting. And I think um, part of that is because it's not, it's only really ever about the family right you know the show and so um the, the everything else is just a symbol of like what's happening out in the country but the but this i think the story is all ultimately about the family but let's get into one i'm gonna show i'm gonna give you one uh with our first question here reason why i think the show is consistently brilliant um is because it always like introduces something and it weaves it through mm. so for example and so the, my first question is basically about um you we're going to start at light with a tom and greg um recap <laughs> here because Tom says something to Greg, and early in the episode, he says, information, Greg, it's like a bottle of wine. You store it, you hoard it, you save it for a special occasion, and then you smash someone's fucking face in with it. And we saw Greg do essentially that in this episode, right? Yes. Um, and so we, we were really set up with it. But before that, I mean, you know, Tom is really tired. He's been tired now for two episodes. <laughs> And um, we did cocaine in front of the whiteboard. Yes, yes, that was the worst <laughs> cocaine bump I've ever seen in Hollywood history. The worst cocaine bump he did like sort of like like a toddler wiping his nose. That was a horrible yeah. cocaine bump. Yeah, it was a it horrible was... place to do cocaine in front of the whiteboard. If you are running this company, you should be able to do some blow at your desk. Not giving <laughs> just like pour it outside. out onto your desk. Yes. form the rails. Yes. Um, and what I, I love, Brian wants a more comfortable context for Tom's cocaine intake. I love yeah. it. <laughs> um, and also, well, so the the other funny thing about that moment is that basically 
he peer pressures Greg into doing cocaine with him. Um, and then and then uh, he's like, come on, Greg, it's medically good for your brain. <laughs> and, and then he's and then t- Greg doesn't want to do it. Greg kind of fake does or whatever. And then he's like and then he goes, um, what are you saying? Aztecs are stupid. Stop being a racist little bitch about it. <laughs> oh but wasn't it wasn't it Greg's blow to start with? Well, it was Greg's blow that he had procured for Tom in anticipation of his fatigue. Um, and can yeah. I say one more thing about their Please. cocaine use? Yeah. That container Greg had, that flat container that he had the cocaine in. Uh-huh. Shaking your head, no. No, it didn't work for you. Okay. <laughs> it's, it should be more of a cylinder or a cruel intentions necklace that you wear. You know what I'm saying? Come on, man. You know about that, these cocaine streets. Um, I I mean, odd, obviously, they need to hire you as a cocaine consultant Clearly. on this show. Yes. Um, I, I don't know what's happening. Um, but, okay, what did... So, so Greg kind of had some moments here, um, not the least of which was cocaine use or putting somehow wasabi and then lemon in um in a, in a the the Steve Kornacki of their uh ATN's yeah. Darwin. eyeballs very interestingly named Darwin very interestingly named Darwin um what yeah was he wearing pleated khakis was he wearing the Kornacki outfit i think i mean he he could have been um if he wasn't well, no, it felt like he was yeah, yeah i mean yeah. i think Kornacki is who has low key dog whistle sexual undertones in his outfits. The tightness, <laughs> of the tightness of Kornacki's clothing is low key if if his sex itself. I want to say Darwin did not have he did not sexual yeah. energy in any way. I want to say that's right. Yeah. Um. But um. So Danielle, what did you make of of Greg and Tom in this uh, episode, and where kind of Greg goes with his with his stuff? Well, you know, I thought this was actually in this season one of the most compelling Greg episodes, if I can put it that way. Yeah, um, yeah. Greg, really got, a Greg episode. A Greg episode. Yeah. yeah. As a Greg episode, I thought it was pretty dynamic. You know, the moment of triumph for me with Greg here is when he clocks correctly that Shiv's threat to him is entirely empty. That she has nothing she can really do to him if he tells her brothers that she's in cahoots with Madsen. Um, That's an amazing moment of growth for Greg. He now understands this system well enough that he can spot what's a real threat and what's a false threat. I also just want to point out, oh, Greg, I kept thinking about his night with Matson that we only get described in these little tidbits, right? And I wrote one down because it's oh, so yeah. incredible. Let's hear it. He says to Tom, his crew knows some unseemly venues. I danced <laughs> with an old man. He didn't want to dance, but they made us dance, right? So here he's coming and then, off. And then he says, like, I drank like fluids that were not meant for drinking. Right. Yeah, it's like I drank things that aren't meant for drinking. So basically, this man has been physically and emotionally tortured for the previous 12 hours, right? And even within like the haze of that trauma, he's able to still do some pretty successful strategic thinking around his own power position. And even though I walked away from this episode, frankly, thinking, fuck every single one of these people. Fuck them. Even so, I'm a little proud of Greg. Yeah, just, just, a, just little. a little. <laughs> Brian, the tiniest amount. Do you think Greg is kind of like working it? Where where do you where are you on the um, Gregometer? By the way, um, Isaac Mizrahi, white, who I think will just never stop referencing, correct, um, feels that Greg will be the last man standing here. Um, he'll end up sort of like with, and this is a popular conspiracy theory about Greg. Oh wait a minute, that's not even rocket science. Of course he is. If you see, I mean, just on the way Hollywood is, I remember how Greg came into the thing with the, you know, into the whole thing as the total outsider. He's sort of like if if you remember Veep, yeah. How yeah. the black guy kind of no one assuming he was just, and then he ends up being the president. Um, sort of like right. That. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one of the things, for example, about Tom and Greg that I think is so funny to me, but it's rooted in something that was kind of emotionally dramatic. Was this is a big night for Tom? He had to call the election, right? Right. And to re- but and, he and really he- but he really didn't. 
Oh, right. He did. I mean, he he was holding like 17 cell phones, but he still like gave the kind of the the ultimate uh, responsibility to the Sibs. But, you know, it was a stressful night for him, a stressful day for him. He had fired Sid, who was previously running ATN. Right. And so this was his first time doing it. He wasn't even wearing the right shoes. You know, and that he and it, so it was just like it was difficult. It was a difficult night for him. And what he wanted was his stable Greg of yore to be Gregging for him, you know, mm-hmm. and it, big, it's one okay. of, it, it's one of these things where he's like he just because when you're doing something tough, you just want those comfort things around you. And one of his comfort things is the his lackey, Greg, not buying bodega sushi because he knows better. Right. Um, because Sutton or whoever the fuck the other person is that bought the bodega sushi was an <laughs> idiot. Like, who does that? But doesn't, so- doesn't Tom, when, you know, when I see Tom, he's, he's one of the grossest. But he reminds <laughs> you of, 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 of every upper management person that you've ever worked for where you're so stressed out but dude you're not really making a decision you're just the metal fuck boy that puts your bullshit down on everyone else but you're clearly it's sort of like the human centipede of (laughs) the world He's in the middle, yes. He's, he's in the he's middle. He's eating the poop the, and, and feeding poop and shitting, right. yes. It, okay. God, Love a human it. centipede reference, yes. a movie that I refuse to watch for the rest of my life. Yeah, but, you know what? Um, I've, never seen, I've never seen that movie, <laughs> but know enough about it to give that reference. We I all feel do. eloquently we all about do. Right. I know. I think it's like three people saw that movie and then told everybody, you know, three people saw yeah, that movie, a hundred million people saw the trailer, and then everyone was like, no, no, thank you. That's right. Um, well, can, I ask, can I ask you guys one more question? Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a lot of questions. That's great. Is, is, is there a low-key homoerotic thing between Greg and Tom? Oh. Um, I wouldn't say low-key. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, I thought I when that when that blow came out, solidly medium key. Yeah, I'd give it a medium. I'd give it a medium. Key. Medium key. Yeah. Wait, so but, I, but, I thought when the cocaine came out, like, oh, they finna fuck finally. <laughs> 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 oh my god! Listen, if if Greg and Tom had actually finally consummated their desire for each other behind that whiteboard, can you imagine my joy? Brian? I thought it was I, gonna happen I, on everything. I was like, okay, well, at least they gonna I fuck. I do think. I do think. It's within the realm of possibility that as disgusting brothers, swords have crossed at some point in a threesome scenario, no? Like, it feels like pretty, with those two dudes, I mean, they have been disgusting brothering around town. No, they they wouldn't sword cross, but what they would do gross is, like, fist bump. And catch eye contact. For yeah, 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 yeah. Totally, like for several totally. beats. And by yeah, the way, like, I, I just want to say to Nagin's point that if they, if they, if their dicks did touch, I'm pretty confident at least one of them would use the term sword. Yeah. Yes. So, I, so yes, you know, that yes. feels believable to me. Okay. Before I get into my next question, we're gonna take a quick ad break, and then we're gonna come back and keep questioning. I am the type of person that has subscribed to things. And I have forgotten about those things. I have paid twice for a children's educational app. And I didn't know that I was paying twice for several months. Until that is, I discovered Rocket Money. And because I use Rocket Money, it just showed up all these things. The thing that I was paying twice for that made me incredibly angry. Thank God Rocket Money ended that for me. It also cancels the subscription for you. So you don't have to like go through the hassle of going to that site and figuring out how to cancel. They actually make canceling very difficult. I don't know if any of you have had the experience, but I have been on a like a roundabout eight exit nightmare trying to unsubscribe to something before. Rocket money eliminates that hassle. It also alerts you to an increase in subscription price. And this is something Rocket Money did for me. It negotiates a lower price for something you already subscribe to. So like for my cable bill, it got me a lower price. And I was very happy about that. Nearly 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about, which makes me feel better because I'm one of them. But it makes me feel terrible because what are we doing? Losing that money. Uh, I don't want to waste that money. And I know you don't want to waste that money. If you struggle 
with these kinds of purchases, if you struggle with finances in general, Rocket Money will help you with the budgeting, help you track your expenses, help you, like I said, cancel those unwanted subscription. It's a personal finance app that finds and cancels unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps you lower your bills so you can get back to saving. I mean, me and my husband have been on the warpath and rocket money has been a really big part of that. It has over 5 million users with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. The average member has saved up to $740 a year using the app's features, which is, I mean, that tracks for me. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions. Go to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Save the money at rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And we are back. Let's talk about Roman, the, com- the the comic relief. It's so interesting because he seemed really focused on being a piece of shit this episode. Oh, yeah. Um, he, you know, he got, he was sort of dumped by Jerry in the last episode. And now he's just full Mencken. And he spends the episode being the Mencken mouthpiece. Mencken's going to make sure that the ATN deal falls apart. He has very direct conversations with Mencken. Also talk about swords crossing Mencken and Roman huh mm. um no, there's a no, no, there's no. some medium key vibes there as no, well yeah, I'm, gonna, sure. I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell you as someone who when I look at that show I think like wow I really know a lot of waspy ass white people <laughs> like I, I kind of uh-huh. I know I know two or three different families that are kind of in this cluster like the the Anover crowd yeah, yeah, yeah. okay so like my friends who went there like that crowd of people like roman is typical non-athletic old money white boy mm-hmm. where he's gonna call somebody to beat you up versus beat you up you For know sure. he's and this is his sort of time to be tough during this election this is like time for this white boy to shine on some white boy shit that you know, so he's going on that energy and he's been that person the whole time, but I think the election, when you're that close to power, it kind of elevates the heart on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I also love that you brought up that he didn't do sports or whatever because um, they even emphasized that. I think it was in season one. He had a trainer. and Oh, right. And and he was bad at exercising. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and I thought that was a funny, you know, because there are these dudes that like they should have played lacrosse, but they couldn't. You no. know, right. his and- shoulder blades. He has very weak. Sh- you can tell he has like weak <laughs> shoulder blades. There's no sports. It's sort of like the hangers you see in the toddler section at Sears back in the day. <laughs> That barely could hold a shirt. That's what Roman's shoulder blades are about. Uh, Brian, I want to say that current toddler hangers are also the same shape as they were from Sears. They didn't do much innovation in toddler hangers um, since the 1980s Sears ones. Um, But but he is it's he's operating on such a. It's funny because through. It's they started out season one with Roman being like a real piece of shit because Danielle, we've talked about the scene with the baseball game and him yeah. paying the fan, him, which I will never not, forgive him for. Yeah, yeah. for which and, and it's 
you never forgive him. And in, in this episode, you're reminded why you should never forgive him, right? Correct. He is the guy that just dangled a million dollars or whatever it was, 10000 I can't remember how much money it was. It was a million. It was $1 million. $1 million. I was like, it was either a million or 10000 which are wildly different <laughs> sums of money. Um, but, uh, but he's that guy that dangled this kind of money in front of this poor, like, longing family mm-hmm. and and then took it away, and it was not a big deal for him at all. And... Um, and in this epi- and then throughout the season, we see him having like feelings and dimensionality throughout the the series. And in this episode, we're back to he's cruel. He has a capacity for cruelty. He doesn't care. It's all about naked power. It's all a game. He doesn't take anything seriously. Um, and you I, know. I'm gonna mm-hmm. break this down to race because mm-hmm. a black dude like Roman would be something else. Mm. It's it's little dick white boy energy, mm-hmm. like pinky dick. You know right. what I'm saying? Where <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. where he would he would need like a Caribbean woman to set him straight, or like some super ethnic woman to set him straight. Like, yeah. or he's gonna just gonna run amok. Um, it's interesting. The the closest I feel like we got to that energy from a woman with him was um that woman who the blonde one uh, I don't remember that character's name Danielle do you know who I'm talking about yeah she had curly hair and they met at Tom's disgusting bachelor party where she gave Tom a blowjob and then forced him to eat his own semen Uh, she later became Roman's girlfriend (laughs) what a fun world What a fun but time. No, I'm, but I'm honestly, I'm honestly, and I'm not even trying to do any dick contests. This whole show has such little dick energy. Like everyone, even even the the, the Elon Musk dudes, his dick is like nordically medium. You know what I'm saying? Everybody else has little dick energy, and that's probably why the show is annoying. Brian, I don't want to get too far into, you know, dick details, but let me just ask you, is Nordic medium American large? Yeah. No, no, Nordic medium is like Milwaukee okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'm... Um, Danielle, did you feel so? One of the lines that Roman says it's uh, um about the the election was it um you know Shiv says she kind of feels terrible, right? She's got um you know butterflies in her stomach from the election, and Roman goes, "It's only spicy because if my team wins, they're gonna shoot your team." He's just full embrace of Nazis. Yeah, and um, what I mean is it is it. Is there some ideological thing that drives him, or is it just pure? It's because Mencken will make ATN go uh, the AT the the Matson deal go away. Well, it's interesting you ask that again because I was watching the little inside the episode thing, you know, mm-hmm. after the episode, and you hear Kieran Culkin, the wonderful actor who plays him, saying basically that my character doesn't care who's president as long as it's great for the family. Mencken's better for the family. I actually disagree, and the reason why I disagree. Uh, is because if you look at Roman's language through this episode, it is misogynistic and pussy-focused, if I may use this terminology, from... <laughs> We've, we're in that terminology, we're, we're by the way. We're inside of it, like people. deep. Okay. We're yeah. inside of it. His misogynistic language in this episode starts from moment one and continues to the very end when we hear him calling his sister what word? Hysterical. Right? The kind yeah. of classic sexist word we use to call female behavior insane, whether or not it is. Um, I think Oh wait, hold on. That's a that's bad. I'm learning. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, whatever. You're hysterical. That's is that a diss? No, no, not like hysterical funny. No, hysterical oh, oh, hysterical oh. like the medical like term hysteria. like female hysteria. Oh, okay, 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 yeah, okay. Yeah, I yeah, thought, yeah. I'm, I'm in like funny. Like, oh no, she, no, no. Oh my god. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, Brian, okay, let it, me it. welcome you to call Nagin and I hysterical as often as you want. Yeah, yeah, Honestly, yeah, yeah. go for it. But you know I've said that, okay. But he says, um, he says to her, actually, if you're going to just be hysterical, we're gonna have to kick you out. That is women know. Um, a term that's used to make us feel small. This like guy, a hissy fit. Yeah, yes, exactly. exactly. Mm. And and mm. Shiv being upset about the ending of democracy is not a hissy fit. Just right. to, to say, <laughs> um, you know, with Roman in this episode, I actually thought 
a few things were going on. One is it's the show reminding us no matter how many clever lines we throw at you through these characters' mouths, no, many, no matter how many moments of empathy or sympathy they might briefly attain, these are darkly dangerous, horrible people. I thought Roman was really symbolic of reminding us of that in this episode, which is easy sometimes to forget because we're so charmed by the writing. I also want to say there's a lot of talk in this episode about what would daddy do? Right? When things get hard, the Roy siblings always retreat to, what would daddy do? The only person who really did in this episode what daddy would have done, it's Roman. You know, daddy I disagree. Would... I disagree. Oh, I want to hear my... I, I hear my... actually am very curious. Yes, I'm very curious about that take. Finish your thought, Danielle. Um, yeah. I think Logan would have fucked all the people closest to him to get what he wanted, would have lied to them about the fact that it really was about personal power for him exclusively, would have ended up with a conclusion where he had the ear of the most powerful person in the world, the president. And I also think he would have made everyone feel like a piece of shit while doing it. As I was watching Roman's behavior, I thought, ooh, this is Logan. This is Logan. So I also thought that this episode was showing us that in a way more so than his siblings, Roman does, quote unquote, have what it takes, by which I mean no moral compass whatsoever and a bottomless need for approval and money and greed and power. He actually has what it takes to be the next Logan. That's what I got from his behavior in this episode. But I want to hear Brian's take. You know, now that you kept talking, <laughs> I'm going to recant my disagreement. Okay. <laughs> but, can I, but can I say one thing? And this goes back to what I said earlier of where I'm not coming on here to hate on your show. I'm just coming on here to be objective from a media consumer perspective. Yeah. yeah. I legit feel as brilliant, and I did ironic air quotes, as the writers are, <laughs> they, <laughs> they didn't really lay down the stakes for the election. I feel they've been doing all this drama, 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 and then all of a sudden, there's an election night. You really didn't know like where the um, electoral votes set up was that fire in Wisconsin mm -hmm. that didn't really I, I understand but what you know what I'm saying they really didn't lay the groundwork for that to really make the stakes get it I get it the bad guy's gonna win the election but the X's and O's of how you get to that situation I feel that they didn't do a good job and secondly this is a question for you two help me understand what is the time frame? How long is that body going to be on ice? Right. When is that motherfucking funeral? So much shit there's has so, gone. There's so many. Yeah, there's so much. There's so many questions about time frame. Because I mean, basically, dude, they've done so many things. The election that, that they went to Europe, the, 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 the party. Right. This body has been on ice for like James Brown amount of time. <laughs> You know how James Brown went on tour when he was dead? When are they going to put that daddy in the ground? How long was James Brown on tour with yeah, he could have, I think It was like, it could have been like six weeks. It was. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can Google that and have it for you by the end of the show. Have your producer look that up. It was um, a good chunk. That's hilarious. No, so the this the timeline in this in this season is actually one of the more like crazy things about it I think because what they have to keep reminding us is that Logan has just died this is we're like day six or seven or eight or whatever we're yeah, like it's been in like that a week it's a week it's been a week um that that any of this has happened um oh by the way it was more than two months yes that that, uh, that he was on tour with his with his dead body okay wow Amazing. fucking crazy James Brown um James Brown so um so the the timeline here I think is crazy and um I think the other thing about like some like you know the little shticks like Tom being really tired make a lot of sense because everyone should be really tired and I don't know if it, I, and again everyone kind of also looks like shit like yeah. no one looks great like Agreed. all everyone's outfits are also not looking great. Like everyone's faces look a little bit more haggard. You know Nagin, what I mean? Nagin, hold on, Nagin. You're not making this is not making sense. I'm gonna tell you why. Go back to the tape. Okay, you saying six days, right? And I was like, okay, maybe, maybe. eight days or something like okay, that. Okay, eight, yeah. whatever. Roman's facial hair 
did too hard of a jump between Whoa. two weeks ago and that last episode. He went from like light five o'clock shadow to almost a full 6 p.m. gruff. His facial hair is not consistent. And I'm telling you, that's what throws off. It's the little things. That's what okay, throws off his I'm timer. not. Yeah, I haven't actually paid attention to Roman's facial hair. That's something that just, has completely a, escaped my. I can't even tell you what his face was doing. It's a fascinating it's, point, though. Maybe if we shaved Nagin, we would really notice. That. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is something um, that this is this is where male privilege, okay, <laughs> comes into play. Obviously, hello. Mm-hmm. Um, but Facts. I but I think it was really interesting too because you know first the other interesting thing about the the presidential race um, to your point Brian was that it was only six months ago that Mencken got into the race right. and the fact that he's now like maybe winning is part of the whirlwind craziness of the election the 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 uh, what do they call him they called him like the old raisin or something the previous president whoever that was. Does decides not to run again for some scandal reason. I can't remember what they set that up. A, a scandal created by the ATN community. Mm-hmm. A scandal created by the ATM community, and and so then Mencken um, gets into the race, and ATN kind of puts their weight behind him. Um, and I actually think that that Logan Roy would have played. I would he would have made friends with both sides. The way Kendall's kind of trying to do, like Colin Jimenez, you know, like, and and he knows that Roman has a thing with with Mencken. So there, I think they he would have played both sides because I, I don't I do think he was a fan of um, being able to control things, which requires some measure of predictability and stability. Hmm. And so I don't think I think. Logan Roy would have handled this thing in a way less chaotic fashion. I think he probably wouldn't have called Wisconsin. Um, I think I I just think you would it, there would have been less chaos and there would have been more firmness and there wouldn't end you know again with the with the C suite or you know with the brass going on the floor of the ATN you know that's something that like Logan Roy never did that was a Geneva Convention rule for him like he you never they never showed up on the on the floor. So I, I do think even though Logan Roy was horrendous, I do think he was still more, he was less chaotic and he preferred some measure of stability while being a dick. By the way, Connor and Willa in this episode, oh, please, so I so hilarious. I have um, so much to say on that. I mean, first of all, also, Again, I mean, this show is nothing if it's not just like Mac, you know, machinations, machinations that he at the end was just like, okay, I I can still make a deal with Mencken for Slovenia, you know, right? And we'll do we'll do um, breakfast in Dubrovnik and then dinner in Venice, and um, and we have this moment where Will is just like, um, I mean, that does sound nice. He is like a fascist, or whatever. I don't remember well, what he, she I, said I wrote specifically. Down her quote, yeah, Nagin, let's hear it. For me, this is one of the most searing, painful moments of a very searing, painful episode. I mean, I am torn. He's very right wing, but Vienna for lunch, Venice for dinner. That's yes. the Willa quote. <laughs> now, let me explain why this moment broke my heart even more than other moments in this episode. Mm-hmm. High bar. Um, Willa, in sort of emotional geological time, was a fairly normal trying to pay rent person, what, a few years ago? Yes. Right? Before, before she entered this. So just a few years ago, this person had a pretty strong tether to reality. A very strong one, right? She had to uh, spend time with gentlemen of means in order to survive. So she knows what it is to struggle. She knows what it is to not be amongst the haves. She's been a have-not for most of her life in a lot of ways. It only takes a few years for that same person to identify so profoundly, powerfully, and exclusively with the 1%. Oh, God, That where she has lunch is more meaningful to her than potentially saving our republic. If there's... That moment alone, for me, is a perfect portrait of how entering this amount of money makes you an ethically awful person almost inherently. That's Willa's story here for me, and I found that moment... Truly devastating, to be honest. Because yeah, because you you sort of like need to be you need to go to the Quiznos on the block 
to like That's feel right. humanity. Yeah. And when you and when you're divorced from it for so long. Um, it, it it becomes easier. And I think that's why Siobhan is such an interesting character to me because before all of this, she was with human beings. More so. She, more yes. so. I mean, I'm not saying she was uncomfortable or anything like that. She wasn't like worried about rent, but she was at least around people. And this the discourse that makes people nervous about people like Mencken or whatever. Like she just could hear the chatter of of human beings. And then when yeah, you Siobhan stop- Yeah, Siobhan was like those uh, trust fund babies that used to live in Williamsburg. No, that's right. And 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 there's a real question at the court of this episode. I'm curious what you two think about this. Like, is Siobhan against Megan because of her political principles? Is she against Megan because of her um, fear of reputation amongst her more left-leaning kind of powerful crowd? Or, and maybe it's a combo of these, I'm curious what you guys think, does she just want to be the head of ATN and she's hoping that if it's not Mankin, her and Matson have a better chance? You know, I think the episode doesn't fully answer what her, what guides her agenda. I'm curious what you think. So this, so so I, I have to associate that with a real person. So I think the closest thing to that is, is Ivanka Trump, where she still is, mm-hmm. a, you know, she's still got dickhead DNA. Right. Right. But you can tell she's like, because I have friends who go to college with her, still talk to her and stuff. So she's like, she's fully aware of what the fuck's going on. And she's right. going to do things to push herself back. Because don't trip. She might legit be the first female president. Ugh. And and I'm I'm not even bullshitting you. I'm trying to tell you, you guys, you guys, you guys stay in this. I'm, I'm in God. these streets and flyover country. And I'm going to tell you. That's going to be your first female president. I hate to say it. <laughs> oh, my God. Your face was real. I mean, your face was real. Like, Trump's going to lose. Who's going to be the... I'm, And you heard it here on Fake the Nation. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I think the Ivanka Trump comparison is, is really, really apt because yeah, yeah, Siobhan yeah. spent so much time being um, a real person like developing cred developing a reputation you know and and to be um and being left-leaning like Ivanka Trump was like pro-abortion pro-choice pro um you know general democratic values or whatever right like it was it 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 was distasteful to her to join um her father's ideological party I don't mean to interrupt, but think about it right now for you two. At the end of the day, she hasn't done, outside of being related to some dickheads, she hasn't done anything bad. Incorrect. I mean, she, she, I mean, out of everyone does things bad, but you know what I'm saying? She's like, you can give her a- She live tweeted to the January 6th insurrectionists, go home patriots. She's also okay, been hiding evidence from the DA in New York for months. I I think her hands are as dirty. I as I think they can she's be. probably done a lot of bad things. Yeah. yeah, she's done a lot of bad things. But you understand what I'm saying? It's like if you ask your average Joe on the street, like, well, she's she has that sweatshop, but you know, hey, right, <laughs> right. hey, she's embezzled some funds or whatever. But yeah, I mean, what are you gonna do? What are um, you gonna do? But okay, look. I, I have, there's two things I really need to get to because we're running out of time. Okay. One of them is the Siobhan, um, Tom conversation. Mm. So Siobhan is just, I mean, I want to say the most, um, kind of unmoored throughout this episode. Um, she is really scared. And I think to answer your question, Danielle, it is a combination. I do think she is worried about the Republic, and I do think she's worried about herself. And I do think she's super pregnant yes. and confused and scared about that. Um, so she does a pull aside with Tom and tells him, basically he's like, look, my dad just died. Again, a reminder of the timeline. This is all very fresh. He's still on ice. Right. Um, and You're saying I, six days. Yeah, something like that, a week. Okay. And um and sh- and she says to Tom like look my dad just died can you just give me a break basically I'm sorry for the the you know the the fight we had last night let's just I, like she's kind of like I need you and me to be cool tonight I'm like losing it also I'm pregnant with your child and his response is um is that even true like 
Is right. this just a, is this a position? Is this a game? Like, and which is also fair because he's been dicked around for so long. Everything with them has been strategery mm-hmm. and not feeling. Um, so Danielle would does I mean did Tom walk away even thinking that he's going to be a dad or what? I think he, the 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 question of it, the kind of idea of it, is now implanted in his mind. But I want to say first of all, I would have had Tom's response. You know, coming off of what Completely. his experience of this family is, of course he thinks it's a ploy. And by the way, even though it's medically true, she's pregnant, I'm not convinced there isn't some strategic element Thing there for her. To mm-hmm. her to tell him in that moment. Remember, the Roy siblings are coming onto the floor against the rules. They're all coming at Tom with their separate agendas. She has an agenda for Mankin not to win tonight. If Tom really believes and understands that he's about to be a daddy, which she knows is one of his great wishes in life he's more likely to be sympathetic to her strategic needs. So I think it's partly emotional for her, but I also think Tom's partly right. How much he believes it, God, I don't know. I mean, probably 50-50 at this point, yeah. and I don't blame him. Yeah, no, it was it was so confusing. Haven't they, like, make up to break up twice in post-daddy death? Yeah. Haven't they yeah. had sex? Haven't yeah. they gone to yep. Europe? Yeah. Haven't they had this little bite? Thing that they were yeah. bitey, 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 yep. bitey, bitey, All that's happened just in six days. <laughs> yeah, Nikki, come on, this timeline is weird. <laughs> it's been, it's, you know, it's, I it's so know. much. It's I just you so have much, to embrace. So much emotion. You, you I know, just I get have it. To embrace, and I, I'm fine. I'll do that. But you know, what I'm saying like the emotional. That's too much. You can't it's, go to Europe. You can't a, do all those things in well, with mean, a body with PJs, on ice. You can go to Europe and and back. also, Brian. This is why everyone's so tired. This is why everyone's so tired. <laughs> also, Tom is receiving this information, and he's just done a mediocre uh, the coke. worst bump. The worst. The worst coke bump <laughs> of coke. Um, and also, he says. I mean, he's just fucking saying. He said. About the dad, he's, you know, he says, you hated him, Siobhan. Well, it was complicated, but sometimes you certainly hated him. And you also sort of killed him. Oh. And then he goes, sort of, sort of. And she's like, yeah, sort of is what I'm going to remember from that statement. And like, <laughs> I mean, they're just, I mean, he's just gloves off, you know. And also he's 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 tired and nuts and, and coked out. He's also about to be destroyed by the family and he knows that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's also going to be destroyed by all of American media for making a call on the election, which we start to see, you know? Correct, correct. But help me understand this. Why does this guy think his job is real? And that's my my whole thing where I can't believe this is like, you know how you got this job. You know what you're dealing with. You know you're not making any real decisions. You are clearly just a... Clearly a fall guy because you went into this thing about to go to jail for somebody for something you didn't do. So it's like, does he he really the his pressure is like, oh my god, I have to be. What pressure do you have? He just he doesn't want to be poor, right? Like that's and, and, he his he operates I think out of just a one hundred percent fear of losing money. Correct. Because he w- didn't grow up rich, right? No, and, he and does I not want to go back to being middle class. I, and I understand that. But being the CEO of that news organization, you have just, okay, some stock options. I got it. You have your salary. I got it. You're not going to be 1% rich working no job, dog. That's not how you get uber rich. You're going to have a maybe a golden parachute. You're going to be regular. You're just saying you're, he's overly concerned and he'll he'll be fine. Well, I'm saying like you're not going to be what the Roy people are. I mean, if you want to be that, you have to be born in that. You're just, you have some money. You're still flying commercial, bro. And if you want to get to the place where you're just flying private, this is two different things. My goal in life is to like stop flying commercial, but that's something I have to work towards. To do that consistently, you can't be working no job. I don't, I don't care what I, what your I, job I, is. I don't. I don't agree with that. You know, if you think about like someone who's the person who's running Fox News right now, I doubt that person flies commercial. I'm pretty sure. Well, that well, no, work, work working for working for the company you do, but you never you have no. You're never going to be the CEO of a company for the rest of your life. I mean, it, well, but also, I mean, there's a lot tied in for him because that's why. I mean, he was married. He is married 
to the daughter of a billionaire, right? So Yeah, that he has more chances to make more money getting divorced if he didn't do no paperwork than he does to have the stress, I'm just saying the stress of, of a, job. a job. Well, for, first of all, we know that he signed some pretty damning ex, uh, extensive prenup paperwork, right? Because that was a plot point earlier on. So my belief is he probably would not get a lot out of a divorce, and he knows that. But I also think, Brian, we, we shouldn't just think in economic terms. We've got to think in power terms. You know, for years now, Tom's been in that room with the vaguely 40 most powerful people in America because he has this job and because he's tethered to this okay. family. He doesn't want out of that room. There we go. This there is a go. guy who yeah. has to be There's in the room it. where yeah. it happens. That's also you know, it. If he's not the head of ATN and if he's also Shiv's ex-husband, even if he has enough money to live what we would call comfortably for life, whether or not Tom agrees, separate issue – then he's, he's not just, gonna get back in that room. And, and, and then he's just honestly, then he's just Connor, right? He's just yeah. like a guy with some ideas and like a owns nice a suit. shitty vineyard in Germany or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, okay, well, we have we have time for just one. We have one more question I have to get to before we close this up, yes. which is Kendall. So Kendall mm. and Shiv had um two very interesting scenes. The first one, Kendall was oddly, and I feel like for the first time, very honest and vulnerable. He just said flat out, I want to wear the crown. Right. I want to run this solo, but I also don't want that to fuck up our family dynamic. So I want to be honest about that. Also, I feel threatened that Roman is in bed with Mencken. Like, why are they so tight? Um, you know, can you uh, basic and this led him to say, can you call Jimenez and basically get can you call Nate and get more concessions to make sure that we can kill this deal if he becomes president? And she's like, sure, sure, totally. So they have this like honest moment where he kind of tells her what he wants. She pretends to call Nate. Mm. She doesn't actually call him. And in the next scene, Kendall's like, no, but like specifically, what did he say? And he's like, well, you know what? Let me call him myself. And he pieces together this phone call never happened. He sees Greg. Greg uses his information like a bottle of wine and smashes it in Siobhan's face. Yep. By basically saying, Shiv has been working with Mattson this whole fucking time. She's working against the deal. And Kendall comes in and they have an epic scene. Danielle. Where did where 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 are we all left? Well, I just want to start with where I'm left and what I wrote. You know, I, I write notes through the episodes as I'm watching for the podcast, and I've rarely written the phrase "fuck Kendall" as many times as I wrote it during this episode. <laughs> I want to say to America and the world, and to Kendall, this this uh, invisible person who doesn't exist, "fuck you, Kendall." And the reason why I feel that way is because his cowardice. The way that he plays with a fantasy of being a good guy and his actual desires and needs, which are about just bald-faced sort of, you know, greed for power and access, um, that conflict I felt the most acutely in this episode, particularly around his daughter, who is a person of color, who is whose life is going to be worse because Mencken is president. So already leading up to this conversation, I was thinking, fuck Kendall, fuck Kendall, fuck Kendall. Here's what kills me about this conversation. Kendall's enraged woundedness that Shiv is working behind his back. When he full knows, he's been working behind her back with Frank to try to cut her and Roman out of the deal. Yeah. He's, he's furious at her for behaving the same way he's behaving. Right. And, he, and the what's the last thing we hear in this episode? It's him saying, some people just don't know how to make a deal. Fuck you, Kendall. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. Fucking coward, right? So not only has his cowardice led to, in my view, probably the end of the Republic in this fantasy version of America that's violently close to our own reality, but also, um, I don't know if he realizes this in a full way yet. He's also fucked himself out of the job here. It's gone. Yeah. Roman has the ear of the president. The end. As of right now, right? Right, right, so right. So what I felt in this conversation was, how dare you be outraged when you're all dancing the same fucking dance, which is the dance you were taught by your parents. It's an awful dance that harms America. And also, you want to see your kids after that conversation? You want to yeah. go home and look at your sleeping children? You don't deserve it, fella. Fuck you. That's how I felt. Nikita, what were you feeling during that conversation between Shiv and Kendall? I'm curious. I, I just, you know... I thought there's a couple things. One, he does love his children. 
And it's painful for him to see this happening, right? But he's he also, making it happen, right? It, but he also can't stop himself from thinking about himself and making it happen, and yes. and and caring about the deal. And I think all the, and I think we all compartmentalize like that. We just mm-hmm. all don't have that kind of power. And right. I think there's pen, plenty of people who have you know meager earnings and um, no power that also treat their children that way. Yes. <laughs> but it's like, but it's, but it's you know, it's very, it's exacerbated because. He has the means to treat his children that way, but also like to hire security to tail them, you know, um, just as a level of bubble wrap, Nikki. just as a just level as of bubble, bubble wrap. wrap. And <laughs> um, and I think, you know, so I think I, I think he's a I think Kendall is a complicated figure. I think he also does wish that he had the kind of ideological purity to be like, no, definitely. It needs to be Jimenez. Like he does. I, I, he I think he sees that he's a piece of shit mm-hmm. and he also doesn't can't stop himself from being a piece of shit because he wants power so badly. Uh, so I think all of those things are true. I think just all of those things are true. And so, yeah. um, and that's what makes Kendall such a great character. And also that's what makes Jeremy Strong such a phenomenal actor because you see all of those l- layers on him. You know, you that's see right. that he has so much pain. He has so much desire. He has, you know, he has all of those things all at once. And it's, um, and it's, it's incredible to see him that Jeremy Strong play it. So uh, I don't know. I mean, I think here's where we're left with the season. Right. Shiv basically calls Matt and is like, we're going to fuck them really hard. I have mentioned this a million times, but the fact that Kendall kind of helped kill a kid. I was thinking about it at that moment as well. I mean, Shiv is going to use what Shiv is going to use, the right? The fact that Shiv knows that we have lots of dick pics of Roman Roy that are circulating around have been sent to high-powered women. Hello. I mean, I, she she knows uh, about she knows about dick pics. She knows about dead kid you know dead uh cater waiters she knows um she knows a lot she knows a lot and she could fuck people with that information so i mean i mean listen i want to say one last thing this episode which is that and i maybe forgive me if i've expressed something similar here before but like you know there's this cliche of like hurt people hurt people yeah right we all we all heard this cliche i think the thesis of this show is hurt people hurt people and hurt billionaires hurt democracy (laughs) <laughs> right? Because yeah. you're right, Nagin, all these dynamics that we're seeing exist in other families. People are dishonest and they backstab each other and they try to get, you know, Aunt Lydia's lamp after she's gone. In this case, it's ATN, you know, whatever right. it is. Right. It's all, these are all heightened human dynamics. But I think partly why I find the show so fascinating and why I think it's important to watch is because what it gets so right is that fucked up people exist everywhere. Fucked up people with this much access and power, they harm us. And this yeah. episode more so than any of the others. And I and I think the show's done that brilliantly throughout. But this episode, because it was the election, really landed that in a tangible, visceral way for me. And and I think the Aunt Lydia's lamp thing is just is is a really important point because think in your own life. I have a friend, I'm sure we all have a friend who, because of, you know, a friend of mine's mom died, blah, blah, blah. And and she left like a m- small, like we're talking, I don't know, $30,000 worth. Because right. of that amount of money, there is an ir- irreparable rift between my friend and her cousins. Happens and all the time. And it happens all the time. And it's over such a, sh- ultimately, you know, not that $20,000 is an insignificant amount of money, but just that like in the in the grand scheme of things, you lose your cousin because of thir- $20,000. Like, but that's the kind of thing that happens with families all the time. Money is this, this corrupting, corrupting force at every level. And because there's so much of it in this situation, it becomes an obscenely corrupting force. And by the way, we know this is about childhood dynamics and their personal pain. We knew already. But to remind us, Roman goes to his steak or chicken speech for why (laughs) he should be allowed to pick the next president of these United States. Do we need any more evidence, people? It's because he didn't get enough steak as a kid. Kendall always won. Makes a lot of sense for democracy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so now we all have to have a fascist. 
Um, all right, folks, I, um, again, love to hear your thoughts. Is, um, what is Shiv using with Matson? Uh, can, please hit me up with your predictions. I know people, some people hate predictions. I love predictions. Also, I love changing them all the time. That's the yes. other fun thing about predictions. So hit me up on all the social medias. But in the meantime, I would love for the people of Fake the Nation to be able to follow you and all the wonderful things that you do. Danielle Dershlag, where do they do that? Thank you, Nagid. Um, you can find me at my website, which is daniellederschlag.com. And I'm always on Instagram, which is at ddurch. That's D-D-U-R-C-H. I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. And Brian, I want people to just see you perform um, all over the country and the world. Where can yeah. they do that? Uh, just hit me up on Instagram at Brian Babylon. That's Brian with an I. Babylon, you got it. And um, <laughs> and yeah, and uh, I'm I'm really into my music, so uh, you can check out Babylon Audio Dynamite on YouTube. I drop one or two new music videos every week. Mm. He's a he's a triple threat over here. Yes, um, and yes. folks, sure. you know where to find me and all the things we do. If you have any thoughts, um, uh, again, we are soliciting ideas for the next recap pod. Um, so let me know what you're watching. We've got some votes for beef. We've got some votes for the I think um, the uh, what's it called the White House plumbers uh, that's coming up. Um, we oh, got the some, uh, Waterhouse. The, yeah, the the Watergate oh. thing. We got some. Uh, we yeah, we got some. We got some votes. Actually, there's. Th- th- it it's hard to figure out where the consensus is here. So people, please keep emailing me. Keep um, let me know at fake the nation podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's fake the nation podcast at gmail.com. I've loved hearing all of your thoughts. Um, we've got two more episodes of the recap pod, but before we go, I want to thank everyone who makes the show a possibility. That's our wonderful producer, Andrew McGuire. Um, our fantastic theme music was written by Gobby Alter. And thanks to everyone at HeadGum for making the show a possibility. And we will be back in your earballs on Thursday. That was a HeadGum Podcast.